Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Chapter the thousand-year reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ here on earth, not up in heaven, it's down on earth. The Bible makes it very clear what's going on. And a lot of people, again, they have, they have issue with this, not believing that it's possible for Jesus to reign here on earth and that everything that is heavenly that's done yeah, it has to be done up in heaven, everything spiritual that's done. But he's coming back again, and he'll set up his uh, thousand-year reign upon the earth. But th- some things take place uh, in order for that to be initiated, and uh, Jesus to sit on the throne there in Jerusalem, on uh, the throne of David, his father, as the Scripture calls it. Um, some things have to take place. Now, the thousand years... They preach why you believe it's much because it's mentioned six times in this chapter. Ninety-six times he mentioned believe in the book of John and six times in one chapter we have the words thousand years. Thousand years. So uh, make no mistake about it. It is one thousand years. A full millennium that Jesus will rule here on the earth. Now in our study we've Learned so many things, and we've tried to just be very practical about it. Uh, we've not spent a lot of time in Old Testament prophecy because it would take years to do what we've tried to do here. In, uh, in It'll be less than a year that we've gone through uh, the uh, 22 chapters of the book of Revelation on uh, Sunday nights. And, um, and uh, there's just so much. There's so much material, every single verse is a jump-off place for a message, and there's just so much to be learned, and uh, you'll never get it. If you lived a thousand lifetimes, uh, you'd never understand it all. You'd never get it all, and uh, you'd probably forget more than you remember as you study through it. So each time you go through the book of Revelation, you'll pick out a few things here and there as it does, uh, as it happens as you go through your Bible. But let's read down a few verses and see what it says, <clears throat> and then we'll go back and look at this, uh, these mentions of this thousand-year period as uh, mentioned in uh, Revelation chapter number 20. Just have two points tonight, the first point and the second point, and uh, we'll look at those uh, in our study tonight. So follow along with us in verse number 1 of Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on that, on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Calls it the devil and Satan. But then in the next verse, I believe it is, uh, he makes reference as, as he. I'm pretty sure it's uh, in this chapter. Uh, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him. There it is. And cast him uh, all of the above. Uh, you, you, you've got to understand this. Let me back up for just a moment that everything that God does, the devil tries to duplicate. God is a creator, and the devil is a duplicator. He, t- he, he does his very best to, to 
to do everything that God does. And so as our Heavenly Father, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, as they are a trinity, a holy trinity, then of course the devil has his trinity as well. And, uh, and it's made mention of here in the uh, book of Revelation, this unholy trinity. And, um, and so the devil is the devil, but he's also Satan, but, but he's also the false prophet, and, and the list goes on and on and on. He has many different names that identify um, what he does and who he is, but in ex essence, it's just names that are, again, just kind of modifying who he is, and we know him as the, the devil. That's who we know him. Uh, we don't, by the way, here's another word. We use the word demon quite often, but it's not in the Bible. Not in there one time. And uh, the list goes on and on. I don't know why that one came to me. But we know who the devil is. And so whether he's being called Satan or the beast or the false prophet or whatever it may call him, the deceiver, the list goes on and on and on. All those names are just identifying the self-same person which is the devil that came to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And so be mindful of that as we read down through these verses. And I like what it said, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into, and I really like what's coming up. I, I know I'm taking it out of context, but I like what's, what's coming up. And cast him into the bottomless pit. And then I like the next phrase, I shut him up. I know, I know that he's shutting him up physically and locking him up and chaining him up. But finally, the devil will have to, he, he's shutting him up. He has to shut his mouth. And uh, all of the, all of the uh, things, all the condemnation and all the, the uh, derogatory remarks he's made against you and everything that's been said against you for a thousand years, he's not going to just be shut up physically physically. Uh, in, in this pit, but he's going to be shut up uh, in every uh, imagination and every way and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. I underline that in my Bible. <laughs> I may preach on that one of these days. The day God shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after... And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, that's groups of people, thousands and hundreds of thousands and, uh, and more people, thrones, thrones of people. Uh, and we know that because of the following, it says, and they that sat upon them. And so it's talking about people, not talking about some kind of a bench or something along that line. Uh, and so we see these thrones and uh, they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. The Bible tells us that the saints will be judges. And uh, so here they are, and, uh, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads for, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. 
On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's the fifth time it's been mentioned. Number six is in verse number seven. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And we're going to look at a couple of things tonight. And uh, there's only two points to the outline, and you'll see that in just a moment. But let's, let's just kind of go back and, and summarize what has happened to this place. And then we're going to look at two things now. Number one, uh, we're going we're to look at what happens when Satan is bound. And then the second place, we're going to look at what happens when Satan is loosed. What happens when he's locked up? And what happens when he's let loose. And uh, those two things are the, are the very, uh, very important points of uh, this chapter in uh, chapter number 20. And so here's what happened in verse number two, devil and, the devil and Satan are bound. In verse number three, he is cast into a bottomless pit. In uh, verse number four, the souls of the martyrs that reign with Christ. Remember, uh, the stories that we found in chapter 16 and, and earlier chapters and uh, chapters before where we are now, how that uh, they had uh, received the mark of the beast and had worshipped him and so on and so forth. And, but some didn't, some didn't. And so the souls of these martyrs, these martyrs are reigning with Christ in verse number four. In verses five and six, we see the resurrected saints of God reigning with Jesus Christ. And so now we have these two groups of people, uh, the martyrs and the, and the born-again believers from all generations of time, all the way back into the Old Testament, into the New Testament, into the church age, all the way up to where we are, and those uh, that are saved uh, in the tribulation period. Now, we've talked about that in the past, and we don't have to elaborate on it tonight. And so now Satan, the devil, and Satan are bound. He's cast into the bottomless pit. The souls of the martyrs are reigning with Christ. The resurrected saints are reigning with Christ. And then in verse number seven, Satan is loose from his prison. Now that gives us the two points for our outline tonight. What happens when the devil is bound? What happens when he's not when he's not set free to run up and down uh, the countryside? And what, what happens when he's not an influence on the society? What happens when the devil isn't working in political arenas and religious arenas and social arenas? What happens to the world when Satan is not the influence? And then what happens to the world when he's loose for a little while? It's amazing what happens. Stay with us for just a moment. Turn back with me if you would. Now we're going to be looking at it in verses 2 through 6 as to what happens. But look back. We haven't spent any time in the Old Testament. But look with me if you would. I'm not sure that I want to read all these verses. But in the book of Micah in uh, chapter number 4 and uh, verses 1 through 7, uh, he's telling about this time that Christ will reign on earth. Let's not read verses 1 through 6. You can read them for yourself a little bit later. But look what he said in verse number 7. 
And he said, uh, this is in the Old Testament now, in the book of Micah, in the prophecy of Micah, and I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation. And look at this. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. Look back with me, if you would, in the book of Isaiah. Let's look in the book of Isaiah. That's where I really wanted to read from for just a moment. Uh, I have several chapters in the book of Isaiah in my notes, but let's just look at what he says, just to kind of get an idea of, a, of how uh, real this is. Thousands of years ago, we have this prophecy. And we learn a little bit about what happens when the devil is bound. What happens when the devil is bound. In chapter number 11 of the book of Isaiah, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon uh, him, the spirit of wisdom. Uh, these, are the, these are the spirits that are made mention of. I believe it's in Revelation chapter number one, somewhere along there. We didn't talk about it. it like the six spirits of God or seven spirits of God. I forget exactly. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I think there is seven of them. And uh, shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the equity uh, for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. We see all that happening in the previous chapter. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Then look what happens when Satan is bound. During This is believed to be a thousand-year reign of Christ's passage. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. What happens when the devil is bound? The leopard shall lie down with the kid, not your kid. And uh, the calf of the young lion and the fatling together. And look at this. And, little and a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a day and an hour that the curse has been lifted off the earth and as it was in the days of Adam and Eve where they were among all of the beasts of the field and all those kind of things and they had dominion over them and they took care of them and took care of the fields and all those kinds of things and a day comes to where a little child, some of you were at the zoo uh, down in Jacksonville uh, this uh, past um, uh, Friday. And uh, you see, sometimes they have lions and leopards and tigers and all of these, and they always have them behind uh, heavy fences and, and uh, for the safety of the people. But can you imagine a day and hour that they could just let all those lions out of their cages and out of their pens and, and uh, the alligators and the snakes and all those kind of things. And they're just roaming about everywhere. And little children out in the yard, they're not playing with the family puppy, but they're playing maybe with an alligator. Hmm? I have alligators in my yard. Last year, one time, I had five alligators in my backyard. And uh, we live on the bay there on Brown's Pond. And it's not unusual. This time of year, you'll start hearing them bellow loudly and, 
And uh, then they'll, next thing you know, when it gets good and warm, the ground gets warm, the grass uh, gets warm, they'll come up there and sun on the bank. And, and I've never considered going back there playing with them. Andy and Stephen have played with them a couple of times. But, you know, it's, I mean, wh who has said they have a lot of sense? They got chased by one. They kept, they had the reeling rod out and they kept throwing it over to, to this alligator. He about a four foot gator out there in the pond. They just kept throwing out there, just kind of taunting him, you know, and they kept throwing it. All of a sudden, it was just like he got to thinking, I think I want to go play with these guys. And they threw that bobber out there and he took it and started bringing it to the shore. And they screamed like a woman and took off running like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I mean, he was just coming straight out of mine, and the line was just folding up as he was coming. He was bringing it back to him and wanting to play with him. But can you imagine a day, an hour, that would be just, just the run-of-the-day activity to go out and take care of the lions and the tigers? But it goes on. It goes, what happens? <clears throat> what happens when Satan is bound? And the cow and, her, and the bear <clears throat> shall feed and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat the straw like the ox. And look at this. And the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand uh, on the cockatrice in the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt her, and um, nor destroy in in all in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Quite an interesting story there found uh, in the book of Isaiah. Wish we had time to read the following chapter, chapter number 12, and it just keeps talking about how things will be. And so that leads us to our first point, verses two through six, what happens when Satan is bound? And so I've just kind of summarized about seven things that I believe and that I've seen in my studies in the scripture, the first one being, there will be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Remember that, the Christmas story? Remember that's one of the first proclamations that were made by the angels of God that Jesus was coming to bring, that there would be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. It didn't happen when Jesus was here, did it? It hasn't happened since Jesus left and went back up to heaven. Do you see any peace on earth? Uh, I read uh, a, few, a few years ago just reading uh, some current events and they said that in a time of peace there, there's an average of 40 civil wars that are going on in the war. If there's not World War III uh, taking place or if Russia hasn't invaded Ukraine, uh, there's still about 40 civil wars that are going on around the world all the time, all the time, 40 to 50 of them all the time. Do you, do you think there's peace on earth? Well, of course not. But that, that proclamation given by the angels uh, and uh, that peace on earth and goodwill toward men will take place when Satan is bound. It can until he is. There's no way to have, they can have all the peace accords, they can come together and, may, and sign document after document and they can have this writ and another one and they can have all kind of uh, legends of, 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 of paperwork and do all of those kind of things but they won't be peace on earth until Satan is bound. But when he's bound, you'll see peace on earth 
and goodwill toward men. There won't be any of this backbiting and won't be any of this gossiping and, and there won't be all of those former things will pass away as Jesus reigns on earth. Look, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, number two, all the armies are disbanded. I'm not even sure that's a word, but they're disarmed or disabled, whatever uh, you want to put there in your notes. All of the armies of the world. See, they've all taken their swords and they've made them into plowshares. They've, uh, they've taken the weapons of the world. All of the weapons of the world are destroyed. And there's no reason. There's no reason to have any weapons because there's peace on earth. There'll be no more war. That was a, a cry and a chant of the, of, the, of the 60s and 70s during Vietnam. That was kind of a, a chant of, you know, of, of uh, the rioting in the streets and the college campuses and all those kind of things. And they carried around their sign, no more war. But has there been war? Yes, there's been war. And there will be war until Satan is bound. Satan is bound. Here's something else that happened. Christ will be king. Christ will be king. And I may be out of bounds with this and I can't prove it, but I, I think that this, I'm thinking about that, the passage of scripture that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember that? It's that Philippians. I, I think that might take place during the millennial reign could very well happen during the millennial reign. Because you have to take that verse and compare it with what is said in Matthew chapter number 7 when it said, Everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to put all that together in just a minute, okay? just want to kind of whet your appetite a little bit. What happens when Satan is bound? Here's something that Isaiah, and we talk about it during the Christmas season. Here's something that Isaiah prophesied. Is it in the ninth chapter? That the government shall be upon his shoulders. Jesus will be in charge of There won't be any reason to have a cabinet. Have you seen the cabinet that, we, that our president has now? <laughs> I saw the other day. And uh, that 78% of the cabinet, that is all of his secretaries and undersecretaries and, and uh, people that are in charge of things, commerce and travel and, and everything, that 78% that of them or part of the LBGTVMAHIJKLMNOPQRSTUVWXYZ, they're part of that group, 78%. They are not in position because of merit. They're in position because of their social position in life. Not going to have to worry about that when, when Jesus is in charge of the government. He's going to be all, he already is. He is all, already the legislative branch. He's already the executive branch. And uh, he's already the judicial branch in the 
millennial kingdom. You won't have to worry about crooked Congress and, and uh, you don't have to worry about all those kind of things. And uh, what a day that'll be. Won't have to worry about, you know, which law am I breaking today? You know, what, what you know, it, that, that'll just make a proclamation that the next Congress, we're not making any laws. <laughs> we're just not going to have any more uh, for a while and execute some of the ones they have. What a crazy world we live in. Won't be when, when Satan's bound. When Satan bound, uh, things are going to be different. Christ, only Christ will be worshipped. Only Christ. There won't be any other, no idols and, and no uh, people to worship. Won't be any other ones and no one else will be worshipped but Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount could be the rule of law. You say, I've always had trouble with that Sermon on the Mount because it says things like that, you know, that we're to love one another and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But then it says something like, and love your enemies. Won't be a problem during the thousand-year reign of Christ. Won't be a problem at all. And all of those things that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the, you won't have to worry about them taking down the Ten Commandments. You won't have to worry about them taking prayer and, uh, and God out of the schools. And you won't, have to worry, you won't have to worry about any of those. You won't have to worry about the, the uh, new version of the monthly, the ver monthly version of the Bible. You won't have to worry about His Word. He, he will reign and he will rule. The Sermon on the Mount could very well be the rule of law. You don't have to worry about the Constitution and, and the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and the Third and the Fourth and the Fifth. You don't have to worry about any of those kind of things because Jesus will be on. What happens when Satan is bound? Oh, we've got to hurry. Oh, my goodness, we've got to hurry. Here's something else. Only that which brings honor to God will exist. Only that which brings honor to God will exist. Let me give you this very quickly. We only have four minutes left. And, uh, and so number one, what happens when Satan is bound? Number two, what happens when Satan is loose? Let's look at a couple more verses, verses 7 through 10. And when the thousand years were expired, are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of prison and shall go out and deceive. Look at this now. How can it be 1,000 years have passed by in, in a perfect, utopic, you know, world and, and everything is, is perfect and, and nothing is vile and Satan comes out and he goes back to his old business. And uh, you'll see that in a moment. And shall go out and see the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. We'll have time to look at that tonight, but we'll talk about it later. We have to stop where we are. And to gather them together to battle, uh, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven, out of heaven, and devoured them. 
And that devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. That's where the beast and the false prophet already are. He was put in, he was bound in a pit. And uh, they were in the, the, the uh, lake of fire already. And he'll be cast in there. And that'll be the end of him. The beast where the devil and the false prophet are, they shall be tormented, tormented, tormented day and night forever and ever. That's what happens when you get in here. So what happens quickly? And I didn't mean for the time to get away like it did. What happens when he's bound? What happens when he's loose? Number one, Satan returns to his ways of deception. Same thing he did for thousands of years. Number two, he gathers a great army to battle the people of God. Number three, God sends fire down from heaven and devours Satan's and his armies. Number four, Satan is cast into the lake of fire. And then we see the final judgment, which is the great white throne judgment. We have to look at that last week. But let me give you a summary. Give me just a couple of minutes. And, uh, and, uh, and so in closing, what are the lessons we learn? All these things are good to know, aren't they? Sure, they're good to know. And uh, we're to the place now that we're involved in some, some of this. At tribulation period, we were up in heaven with God. We'd gone through the uh, judgment seat of Christ, the marriage of the Lamb. And, uh, but now the goings on are back on earth and we're back down here ruling and reigning with Christ. Here's, here's the lessons that we learn. From the time that he was bound and everything was perfect. And then this immediately after he is bound... He goes back to his business and somehow, in some way. Now, children are born. People live a thousand years during the thousand. And so there's a multitude of people on earth. And many of them have never been exposed to the gospel. And some of them have made fake or foolish professions that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they're not living up to it. And, um, and so when the devil comes back out, he is able to find enough people to put together an army to wage war against the saints of God. And when he speaks of Gog and Magog there, it's a little difficult to understand. It's a little difficult to explain. Magog was the grandson of Noah. And in some places in the Old Testament, as it does with other people, it's not particularly it's not talking about a specific person, but maybe a culture of people, like the Moabites, we know about them, and the Ishmaelites, we know about them. And so it is with like, like uh, Magog, the grandson of Noah. And it talks about him one place, and then, then it's mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, and it said, Son of man, set your face toward Gog and Magog. And uh, then it says that it, it uh, implies that, that Gog is a prince, and that Magog is the land in which that prince rules. But it's not necessarily a, an individual or a person, but rather a, a people group that has come together to do battle with the saints of God, with the saints of God. So here's, here's the summary. Here's the lessons we learned. Number one, the absence of wicked influence is not a means of salvation. You see it now. If we lived in a perfect, if we, could, if we could go somewhere and start our own community 
and have a, 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 a community of only saved people and uh, we and and we kept all the we didn't have any alcohol and we didn't have any bad movies and we didn't have any we didn't have any influences from the outside and we could just confine ourselves and we had like a big dome that is built over us this is a testament to how wicked the heart of men and to how the that man of his own strength cannot help himself. We are, the human race is a race of depravity to the place that if you can make everything perfect for somebody, oh, if I could just do this, or if I could just do that, or if, you know, if they didn't have a liquor store on every corner, and, and the reality of it is, the wickedness of a man's heart is the same whether he has outside influence or no influence at all. A thousand years and the devil's able to put an army of people together to go to war against God and his people. The gospel's right. The Bible's right that every thought of, it was right in the days of Noah, that every thought of man was wicked. And it still is. And it still is. The absence of wickedness, of wicked influence, is no means of salvation. Number two, the presence of righteous influence is not a means of salvation. You don't get saved by going to church, listening to the Bible, or listening to the choir. That's what happened here. Serving Christ is not a means of salvation. All that time people were serving him and worshiping him, and yet there's enough wicked hearts in that crowd to put together an army, a large army. It's not the Battle of Armageddon, and it's not just that they came from one direction coming from the north, but they came from the north, south, east, and west coming from everywhere. Serving Christ is not a means of salvation. Worshiping Christ is not a means of salvation. Salvation is only by grace through faith. Lessons to be learned. Stand with us for prayer tonight. Thank you for being such a good class.